Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. Hey everyone, we are so glad that you are here on the Superpower Success Podcast with us today. I'm Jamie Tates. I know we're doing some rotating in the podcast, so you're hearing some different voices every time, which is really exciting. And you are going to love today's conversation. So I will just start with the fact that Brooke Foley, who we are going to be hearing from today, is the CEO and agent of intrigue. No shit. Look her up on LinkedIn. Like legit. That's what she has on LinkedIn on her, on her signature of her emails. Every time I get an email from her, I smile when I see that. Um, But she's the CEO and agent of intrigue of Jane agency. They are a kick-ass branding agency based in Chicago and look them up as well. Just their logo alone will make you intrigued. So Brooke, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me agent of intrigue. It's like something straight out of like a CIA novel or something like that. So I want you to just start with telling us about Brooke, about how you've gotten to this point, kind of what's your story on how you got to where you are today. So ironically, I started out as an art director and I followed a very traditional path, Uh, but I was trained out in Switzerland, which has a very different approach to design and design thinking. And so I got introduced to that very, very early on. And as I started working on different projects, I started accelerating through the career path simply because I was looking at how to solve business problems. And I didn't really know that that's what I was doing until someone coined it for me. But as I eventually moved into creative director role and then group creative director role and then executive creative director role, you really, as you move through those, you're really solving business problems while managing operations, Mm -hmm. while understanding the brands that you're building. And then you're also working on these iconic global brands that are so huge and monolithic, as well as ones that have thousands of brands inside of them. And so you're just constantly in a space where you're looking at what's happening, you know, sociographically, technographically, economically, as it relates to the assignments that you're getting. And you start to look at communication as a different way of solving business problems. And um, eventually I ended up in a location where the majority of people leading business uh, were consultants. So I was at an organization called Razorfish. And most of, most of the companies that were being aggregated at that time weren't really called Razorfish. They were all being bought and then rolled into a final sale for Razorfish. And I got exposed to just some phenomenal consultative mindsets while I was teaching them about creative, selling creative, managing it, having it be profitable. They were teaching me about complication, situation, complication, solution, and how do you look at data? What is in the data? How do you analyze it? How do you drive the the specifics around user-centered design measurement and things like that? And as those two types of practices became one, I started just finding a different love for what I was doing. And eventually when it was time to start my own business, I chose to go the route of brand strategy because it was really getting at the heart of what was happening in the business. Right. I love that. And so much of your story, like many leaders stories is it's never a straight line. 
right? It's no, never it like not. plan that's perfectly planned out. Even if you do plan it, it never actually happens that way. And so those doors open, the off ramps, right? All those things that we talk about happen. All the sacks. Right. Right. <laughs> Dead, ends. Dead ends. Yes. I've hit a couple of those. Yes. Um, any other driving related an analogies we could give? Um, Stop before you go off the cliff. <laughs> right. Right. But when you think back kind of over your career up to this point, is there a leadership moment that shaped or formed who you are as a leader today? So I saw that question and I have to tell you, it has stressed me out for five days <laughs> because I, so it's funny, the world sees you as a leader and you see yourself as a series of moments that people have kicked your ass. <laughs> very good. That's a very good analogy. Yes. And so I was thinking, which of those moments was the biggest ass kicking? <laughs> if you had to rank them, let's just rank them in order. I kind of want to hear all of them because I'm sure they're funny. <laughs> um, but I, I was, you know, there was a couple. Um, some of them were where I was being introduced to what I never wanted to be as a leader. So I was learning right. what I didn't want to be by watching others. Some were moments where I was eating humble pie that helped me change and grow and evolve. And others were moments where I was watching others around me grow and evolve and, and picking, picking what, what was so meaningful about that, you know, for me. And so I thought there was one moment that really shaped me where I watched somebody treating people really badly. And it was really hard on me. Like it weighed on me. I was sad. I was depressed. I thought maybe I wanted to leave the company until I realized that working there didn't mean I supported what that person was doing. It meant that it meant that I needed to figure out how I created an alter response to that. Like, how did I bring light to what was happening and how did I help create a change without being disruptive or damaging in the other direction? And yeah. that was the first time that I realized from a leadership perspective that there's a, there's always a balance and a counterbalance. Mm -hmm. And that was also the first time where I came, became in touch with my true personal brand clarity. Like this is where I stand and this is what I stand for. And if I make decisions outside of that, I'm being counter to who I am. And I, not to you know play on the word intrigue, but I became intrigued by what that meant in terms of brand and brand truth because I was working inside of a brand environment. And it eventually led me to a place where I was delivering expert testimonial witness behind the scenes for other brands and being contracted to do that. And it was a really interesting path inside of my career because learning what brands mean on a technical level in a way that really technically protects a company and what actions get demonstrated that are trackable it really coincided with my user-centered training mm -hmm. and the fact-finding and the detail to be able to say, look, these are proof points. And when you have a proof point as to who you are inside of an argument, when you have a proof point to who you are inside of a debate, when you have a proof point to who you are inside of a brand, all of a sudden your confidence changes, right? And your decision-making changes. So that, even though that was like something that started when I was in my 20s, was one of the seeds that just grew and grew and grew to define me over time to the point where 
I now every day talk about brand clarity in a way that is so distilled and so defined. Well, and I want to dive in just a little bit too, as leaders, I think this is something that most leaders don't think enough about, as you talked about when you found your personal brand clarity, yeah. right? Is who you were. And I think sometimes as leaders, the way we show up is because we don't have that, right? It's actually a lack of confidence in how we show up because we don't, we haven't gone through that exercise or we haven't had people around us to help us find that. Do you see that a lot with clients? That Every, you day. With? Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Every day. And I see it with friends. I see it all around me. It's one of those things where like, it's a superpower as you call it. Yeah. Right. But we've all watched the Avengers. Every superpower has a counter conflict. Right. Right. And so I can't not see it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll go out with friends and I'm just having a great time and I'm loving being out and about, and then I'll hear something and it triggers that clarity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone will look at me and I'm like, you don't want my answer. Like you don't, you don't buy next question. It's in tonight. So it has like a, 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 a yin and a yang to it. And I've had to learn to just, I've had to learn to, to, to really like fight to turn it off because it's, it's like a tuning fork and, and people feel it, they see it. And when you're seeking clarity, you want it. Right. Well, yeah. Sometimes you want it. And then you're like, do I really want to hear what I mean? Do I really want that? <laughs> hard. But that's actually, that's why I love you is, is that authenticity and, you know, just being able to say, because it's coming from a place of good, right? When you've got it. And I think it just reiterates the importance and no matter where we're at in our careers and our lives is surrounding yourself, not with people that are just going to say you're the best and you, you know, that are going to say, Meh. I don't, you know, and challenge you in a different way and force you to look at yourself differently. I would challenge that the clarity is not necessarily about good or not good. It just is. It's what we as individuals choose to do with that clarity that creates either empowerment or devastation or opportunity or is hurtful. Like clarity is, it's just an is. Right. And that's what being inside of that expert testimonial witness experience taught me. And that's what being a true brand manager, like for some of the most difficult situations, it is what it is. What you do with it is where your superpower comes in. Yeah. And so that's sometimes we're sitting in client situations where the clarity is unfolding and it's like a train coming at you. And everyone starts to see it at the same time. Once you start unwrapping it and unleashing it, right? You know, it's a, it's like everyone else. It your cl- the clarity on your superpower is as high potential and as high devastating as anyone else's. Mm-hmm. And so, being able to help people wrap their arms around it and say, okay, so here's here's the opportunity, here's the risk, here's what you do with that now. And so, I think a lot of times people will pull away from actually going into the clarity because they're afraid of what it's going to mean. They're afraid of what it's going to reveal. And the truth is it's just an empowerment to know, right? Right. Right. It's, it's being surrounded with people who can help you do what you want, who have always done with that. Cause what we find more often than not, I would say that this is probably it's, it's rare that the clarity that we unravel isn't already known right. to the leadership involved, whether it's a fortune 10 or a solopreneur, 
there's, there's, it's always tied to something that's already kind of obvious understanding how to unleash the power of it. Like I said, is the true opportunity. Right. And so we'll, what we often see is that people just find total like levity coming out of it. Like, oh my God, this is what I always thought it was. I just didn't know how to say that, or I didn't know how to talk about it like that, or I didn't know how to make that connection. Um, so it's really rewarding. There's a few times where clarity's revealed some things that people might not have wanted to come out. <laughs> right. Those are hard sessions. Right. And it's so, you know, parallels when we talk about what we do as well is that, you know, we're not coming in as consultants in a specific industry and telling them what it needs to be. We're coming in and asking different questions and kind of forcing their brains to turn on in a different way. Because like you said, many of the answers are already there. They just get stuck in some of the same thinking, right? You get like auto-programmed and autopilot, even in business. And I think it's that those advisors, those people that can ask you those questions that almost kind of shock your brain into thinking a little bit differently. Yeah. That's what people need. What? That's what people need right now. Yeah. It's, it's, and and sometimes there's, there's like a, a technical reality of how you reveal things that is able to produce an outcome that you didn't have before. Right. So if you have a process or methodology, you take someone through, and if somebody's really well-trained in it or really well-versed or has done it hundreds and hundreds of times, they can anticipate, they can guide, they can receive, they can, they can help people move from one stage of decision-making to the next efficiently. Sometimes our, our process in particular, I don't know about yours, but sometimes like we'll be brought in by a private equity firm and they'll be asking like, well, what do you think the real time to horizon is? They may be challenging the leadership. They may be considering the purchase or they may be getting ready for another round of investment. And those are hard moments because sometimes what comes out is really, really high potential and really good benefit and really what everybody wanted to hear, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes things are really revealing, right? Sometimes things come out between husband and wives who are partners. Sometimes partners break up. I mean, we've had some really tough situations because clarity is what it is and it, it can't become unclear once it's clear. Right. So I'm curious how this translates. So to get to kind of your leadership style is you guide your team, right? Because you're helping other teams and other organizations, but you also have your own team. And how would you describe the leader you are with your team, especially because you guys are all about clarity and digging stuff up? Like, how does that translate to how you lead? So I, I had to change my leadership style for sure. When I started my own company. So when I was an executive creative director. There was an, actually, I'm going to go back to something you asked earlier. There was a moment where I, in, I was required to do one-on-ones with people. And so I would set them up every week with all the different group creative directors I managed. And there was one day where I was sitting with someone who the organization didn't quite support. And I was intrigued by this person. I liked how they thought I liked their personal style, even though it aggravated a couple of the other people that I worked with. I found that the outcome on their work was really interesting and different. And I was sitting there and they weren't the most beautiful person in the world. And they weren't the most unattractive person in the world. And I realized I, I find this person to be such a beautiful human. 
It had nothing to do with what anyone else thought, but I was like, there is so much value in this person. And I realized, I feel like that about almost everybody that I work with. Mm-hmm. And then it was the word almost that struck me. And I went, oh my God, what's with the almost mm. everyone. And that's when I realized that I was leading based on policies, procedures, scoring, all these things that were part of how you get taught to be an executive. And I didn't even recognize my own sense of connection with the people that I was managing. And I made a decision to make sure that in every one-on-one that I checked in with myself going forward to make sure that I was truly connected and on board with that person going forward. And if I wasn't, I started to deliver very candid, open feedback about what I felt was missing in that connection, which didn't necessarily sit inside of a performance review. Right. Like sometimes it was that someone needed to go to second city and re-engage with their own sense of humor. Sometimes someone needed to go have like a ceramics class because they weren't in touch with themselves. Sometimes it was that someone was working way too much and they weren't taking care of themselves physically. Like I had to figure out like, where did I sit as somebody who was working every day saying I was watching out for the benefit of that person? Was I really, was I really paying attention to their holistic benefit? And at what point am I crossing a line of being intrusive and too personal? Like I had to manage all of that because at that time, you know, servant leadership wasn't a thing right? You didn't talk about people's personal lives. No, nope, you didn't do perspective. And so I had to figure out what are these ways to get other people to talk about these things, to make sure that if they're going to be working a 70, 80 hour week by choice, that they remain healthy on the team because they have a wife and kids. Right. And even though my, my HR department might say, that's not your job. I was realizing that I couldn't go to sleep at night. Right. Cause I was seeing the, the, the manufacturing of time of people's time. Right. So maybe we didn't go over budget and build a client, but that person hadn't seen his wife in two weeks and they were having a baby. Right. Like I still felt accountable for the situation and the circumstances. So that was, that was a big leadership shift for me. And it was about realizing that the, the difference between empathy and me getting fired for doing something that might've crossed a line at a time when that's not how people talked about leadership. Right. The second thing was realizing that I was female in a, a, a world of men and recognizing that my salary was not the same as other people's on other coasts and that it wasn't going to be inside of the organizations that I was working inside of and that I had to go, I was going to have to go out on my own. And I didn't really want to open my own company. I, I liked working for people. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was I did end up starting my own company and I had three values that I had, uh, that I wanted to live by. I figured I no longer have an HR department, so they can't tell me that I have to be called a creative director. So if I want to call myself a chaos director, I will. And they can't tell me that I can't have the logo that I want. Mm -hmm. And they also can't tell me what my values are. And so there was three values, love what you do, which means bring it passionately every single day. There isn't an excuse. You have to bring it a hundred percent. You can't blame other people. You can't blame the brief. You can't blame the client. You can't blame whatever happened in the news. You're either bringing it or you're not. It's on off binary. The second was love who you work with, which means you need to, 
you need to like think forward and it goes beyond pay it forward. It's like, like, so if you're my client, Jamie, and you have something that you need to get done to contribute to the success of your project, our team needs to go in and say, Hey, Jamie, on date X, you have a two week window where you have to get your stuff to us so we can make your deadline. So you can make that deadline you have with your, your requirements, right? Instead of saying, well, Jamie, you didn't get us your stuff. So we're going to move your deadline back. And now we're going to charge you more money for extending the team timeline. Mm -hmm. So there's like a lot of intricacies in what lovely works with means. It's not, it's not like hearts and bunnies. It's, it's the hard work of looking at yourself, your responsibilities and their interdependencies of the others around you. Mm -hmm. And then, then there's prosperity breeds prosperity. And at first that's like, Hey, we're all in this to do business. And I wanted to make sure there was something financial in our values because I love what I do so much that I could easily like get caught up in doing it for free. But, and if you don't prosper, then you won't be here. So if I make you a promise and I'm going to take care of your brand for the next 20 years, but five years in I'm gone, it's not the money that's going to make you upset. It's going to be feeling ungrounded and untethered from something that you believed in as a client. Right. So there was a sort of an accountability in prosperity breeds prosperity. It's like, I'm interested in your prosperity. You're interested in mine, which means if we get into a conflict, we have a conversation that we can have that's mutual. Right. But it also means the time that you spend, the time you you're able to be with your family. Are you, are you free of mind? Do you feel good about the commitments that you've made? Can you do it mind free? Can you, can you shut it off and then go celebrate and then come back and get back into it? So prosperity breeds prosperity is about time. It's about money experience. So when I started Jane, I realized that those three values had to be something that anyone could call me on at any time. Mm-hmm. Clients, partners, vendors, employees, and I needed to be able to talk about it. I needed to be public about it and I needed to be accessible on it. And I have watched some of the newest team members joining the company to some of the most established clients you've ever worked with adapt, learn, start to use those values, not just within our team culture, but within their world around them mm-hmm. to say, you know, that was not very love who you work with, or that this doesn't feel very love what we do. Like the love, what we do is missing. And I get that we're prospering. And I guess I get that we enjoy them as clients, but like, I'm not loving what I'm doing. So I don't know if I can continue on the project like this. And I think we have to check ourselves. Right. You know, and so it, it created a different dialogue which stopped me from being quote unquote, a leader to a active participant inside of the business. Yeah. Right. Because I had to acknowledge the first time someone called me on it, they were like, you're not acting very love who you work with. And I was like, I'm not, there's a better way that I could be doing this. Right. And that's a beautiful realization when we talk about our culture work and we go in and talk with leaders, right. Executive teams of organizations And they believe when we start that there's some way they can control the culture. Mm -hmm. And what you just described is as a leader, even as the owner, you are one thread in the fabric, just like everyone else is right. And the energy you bring is going to impact the energy of the rest. And instead of thinking of yourself up here, you're like shoulder to shoulder, right? Like we're all in this together. And And I'm stubborn, right? I'm headstrong. I'm known as that. I'm like, I'm known, right? My, my whole business is set up on being, you know, flexible and inflexible within realm. Right. And I had to learn 
-hmm. that, you know what, even if I can't see it, I have to recognize that three team members have said this to me, or I've heard this from two clients, or this is the third time it hasn't worked with a partner and to step back and figure out, okay, what is the healthiest resolve? Like the real one, not, not the one that made me comfortable. Mm -hmm. I had to get really comfortable with being prepared to be uncomfortable every day. In fact, I was just working on a project with someone for a client that we love and it was frustrating. It was really frustrating. And he was saying, well, I'm seeing it different. And I was like, but I'm not seeing it. I'm just not seeing it. And I had to let go and just let him talk through what he was seeing and the beauty of what he was seeing. It was there. But I might not have done that in some of my previous roles as executive creative director, because you're just, you're like, it's time, money, time, money, time, money. Well, and you feel the pressure that you need to have the answers, especially as an entrepreneur, sometimes at the beginning, it's like, well, I'm the one driving the bus, right? I've got to have the answers when really, if we hire smart people, (laughs) we have to just ask good questions, right? We have to inspire them based on the questions and, and how we guide them. And I think that's a misconception that a lot of leaders have. Yeah. And I find... I love listening to our team debate and argue about our clients' strategies mm-hmm. because you hear what's missing. You hear what's not work, what's not working. You, that's where the innovation is. That's where, that's where the understanding of like, is it really working? And so we have two places that we kick the tires when we do a strategy with a client. One is we bring it internally before we take it to the client and say, what's missing? Like, what don't you see, think, feel? And then when we bring it back to the client, we turn it over to their team. And if we don't see them adopting it, if we don't see them debating and arguing and discussing it the right way, we know it's not done. And it isn't something that we can teach someone before they go through it. It's afterwards. And we'll say to clients afterwards, because they'll, they'll say, well, Brooke, what do you think? And I'll say, I don't, it's not really that important. What I think right now, what, what's important is what so-and-so thinks. And if that person makes the connection and other people follow through on that connection, then it's solid. But if they don't, then it's us just imposing something. Right. They aren't really bought in and committed to kind of to yeah. the work unless they're having- They have to take it back from us and they have they have to make it their own. And so from doing so, so many of these, you can see in people's faces, you can see in their nonverbal, so much of what's happening. But the most important thing is when you start to hear them start solving. And so many consultants are afraid of that moment. They're afraid to let it go to become back into the hands. And that's a lot of what we end up um, kind of, and we talked about this, where we end up picking up the hurt pains from some of the other strategies that have been sold in or, or participated in. And, and it's, it's really an issue of making sure that the client owns their own decision-making that they feel informed. It's kind of like when you go on a date, right? If you say yes to the date, then you said yes to the date. And if you said yes to what's after the date, you said yes. But if you are really in check with yourself and you're like, yeah, you know, I like you, but this like, this is just not going to turn into a second date. I'm not feeling it. If you're honest about the not feeling it part, then you're going to be okay. You know? It's the same thing with, with brand and strategy. It's like, I don't know. I I don't know if I don't, I don't, I don't know that that feels good. I don't know that I want to wear that every day. I don't know that that's who I am. Mm -hmm. And for me, I will tell you, like, I went through this myself. 
I kept hearing people on my team talk about us as an advertising agency. You're an advertising agency, you're an advertising agency. And I kept hearing clients say, well, how would you solve this as an ad agency? And I kept thinking, but we're really not an ad agency. Right. We solve business problems. And advertising is one way of solving a business problem. But I don't know that I would turn to us and say, those are the people to create the next Super Bowl ad. There's a lot of organizations that are far, far better at that than us. Right. But we might say, look, if you're going to create a Super Bowl ad, why don't you step back and make sure that your brand is solid before you go invest in an ad agency to go talk about that all over? Right. And some ad agencies are really, really naturally good at strategy. We just, I just realized like that was our special space is inside that. that brand structure. When you sitting where you're at right now, right. Coming out of the pandemic with just everything that's going on, what is the biggest challenge either for you in your role as CEO or in your business right now? What, what do you see as the biggest upcoming challenge? We see so many people questioning so much, which is natural, Mm -hmm. but so many people have invested in people talked a lot about the pivot, the pivot, the pivot, the pivot. And a lot of what we're starting to work with is, well, I should say this differently. We're people always say you have a great company of a great company. I would say we have great clients. We're blessed with phenomenal human beings who are clients. And we're very careful about who we engage with out of respect for the clients that we have. I mean, it's, it's an honor to help someone's business. When the pandemic started, the one thing we said to every one of our clients was do not knee jerk solve this issue. You have a brand that has sustained X, Y, Z for X, Y, Z reasons which is core to your position and promise, which is going to lead you through this, right? You may deliver differently. Your timelines might change. Your supply chain might change. You may adjust something, but do not wholesale change something as a knee jerk reaction, live inside of what clarity and certainty you can have. And we consulted and gave away a lot of free workshops and things around the same. A lot of what we're seeing now is clients or prospects coming to us saying, well, this is what happened. And so these are the decisions I made. And so this is the business that I had. And now this is what's happening. And there's almost like a consistent throughput of decision-making for survival that happened during the pandemic, which you can have empathy for, Mm -hmm. but then there's a real consequence about that, that happens when the things that made that work during the pandemic start to go back to real world. And we started seeing that probably right around the time that maybe, maybe around June last year, we started to see like a series of those where I'm in the prospecting stage and I'm saying we brand clarity is not going to help you with that. Right. Like you, you need to figure you have, you're, you're actually starting and going back to like, what kind of business do I want and what do I believe in? And then you can start talking about what is the brand clarity around the decisions you make as a CEO, as an owner, as a business unit. And we are seeing a lot of that transition in business models. I mean, just the the climate is adjusting at such a rapid pace that 
traditional businesses are having to say, we, we have to go to market differently than we've ever had to before. No one here even has the experience in how we do that, right? We're experiencing that even though we grew through the pandemic. And so it's like that prediction of kind of what's happening to the business model and right in the market, what do people need that's different? And I just, what coming back to what you're saying is the foundation of values, the mm-hmm. foundation of clarity of who you are, those things don't have to change when you layer a new business model, Correct. right? Or those things on Correct. top of it. But when you layer that new business model or that pivot on top of something that has cracks in the foundation, yes. that's where the problems come from. Right. Because the cracks are still there. Correct. And so now you're dealing with, well, there was a sustaining business that had credibility. It had revenue. It had consistency. It had a, it, it had a provable position and promise. You shifted that. And now there's two businesses to take into consideration. How do you link the two? And then there's the cracks that have to just get, you know, solved. They have to get, they have to get mediated somehow. Right. So that's when a lot of times we, so we are starting to be asked more and more now to just facilitate alignment and leadership teams, right? which is new for like, it's it's not new for our business, but we don't sell that hundred percent the biggest gap. And so it's got to get all on the same page before we can do anything else. And it's been really interesting because we're being asked to facilitate inside of spaces of sales. We're being asked inside of supply chain. We're being asked inside of all these different places. And we actually just had a conversation a couple of weeks ago saying, should we introduce a capability on, in our marketing that talks about facilitation and, and what does that mean to us as a business? And do we really want that? Right. You know, we had to really like stop and think about it. And we're still in the, in the responding stages to that, but we had to be like, hold on white flag raising. This is happening, whether we realize it or not. And we have to figure out how do we adjust to it? Cause it's a completely different qualification process. It's a, a totally different, like what are the deliverables to it? Even though they all sound and feel exactly like what we do every day, yeah. they're slightly different and there's an accountability to it. And I had to step back and go, can we can, like, this was like the funniest moment where I like, I like when you talk about like having to take your own medicine, I was like, do we have the credibility to do that? That's a good question. <laughs> Everyone was like, hello. <laughs> right. I love it. I, Cause even yourself, right. I mean, this is eating your own dog food. It's like, we have to go through the same process that everybody yeah. else that we take everybody else through. So I want to just kind of wrap with the question. And then I want, we got to go into the bonus round, which are the fun questions, but given everything that we've talked about today for a leader, that's listening, what's one important message that you want them to take away from this? There is nothing more valuable than time. If you can create space to sit back and just hear your own thoughts, a B hear your team members thoughts hear your clients and customers thoughts, then you can come from a point of strength. But as an entrepreneur, we get beaten down by payroll and making sure the cash flow is happening. And it's really, it's the time and space to like literally push it all like a little bit away from you to be able to think to yourself and whether you find it in a run or you meditate or you find it in a glass of tea or something better than that for you. (laughs) However you define that, if you can find moments that you create on a regular basis, like for me, I swim three, four times a week and I will just 
I will put a couple concepts out in my head before I even start mm -hmm. like swimming and say, I'm somehow going to process this by the time I'm done. Right. Right. And it's my form of meditation. I have a really, really good friend who's a CEO. She lights a candle every morning. Like I have another one who does breathing. Like everyone has their own things. I have, there's another CEO that I was reading something that he wrote and he said, he does not get out of his sleep state without rolling out of bed. He has a mat that he keeps right next to his bed. And he does like an hour of yoga. I was like, well, I don't have an hour right. to do yoga. Cause I have to swim, but you know, I like, I get and it. Let's be clear. If I had an hour, I wouldn't choose yoga, but that's just me. <laughs> it's way, way too calming. I need something more aggressive. <laughs> okay. So I want to dive into these cause I'm really looking forward to your answers to these bonus round questions. So this is just okay. kind of the fun wrap up to all of I'm that. scared. What if I get them wrong? No, there is no wrong. Cause it's you. So what makes you laugh? Oh my goodness. You know, I have a whole stick sh about this, right? No. <laughs> so 30 <laughs> seconds or less. What makes you laugh? <laughs> Things that are real. I love it. I also know that sitting by the pool with a drink in your hand also can make you laugh because <laughs> I've been there with you before, but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother. I podcast. love laughing. I think <laughs> it is so important. So healthy. So you may have already answered this for us, but to lead well, you have to be well, right? Heart, mind, soul. What's one thing you do consistently to be your own CEO, chief energy officer, probably swimming, right? Is that kind of the thing that keeps you grounded? So I have a series of things I do each day and each one like leads to a place where I can sit down and like be myself. So one is I have to walk my dog. My dog and I have a conversation every morning. We, we rise with the sun and we start the day together. I have to talk to my mom. I have to talk to my children. And then I get into whatever physical activity it is that I'm doing for that day to make sure that I have done what I need to. Yep. Um, and then I need to know what my schedule is because I am terrible with schedules. And so I will literally check my schedule four times every morning. And then I still get it wrong but I, I need all those things cleared out for me to be able to sit down and do what I do. I love that. I love the routine in it. I mean, a lot of it is routine. Yeah. Okay. So I say the, my favorite one, cause I really don't know what you're going to say. And I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be? And what would you say? Come on. And clarity for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> for everyone. I, I thought we were going to have to bleep something out. I thought there was going to be expletives. Like you kind of disappointed me in that. Question. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Ask me it again. If you could have a billboard, right. And with anything on it, it doesn't even have to be words. So I shouldn't like, what would the billboard say? Fucking clarity. <laughs> There you go. There's the book I know. <laughs> I love it. I don't know. I just I like, would, but I, I would be your I would read that billboard, right? I'd be like, damn right. That's what I need. I need some of that. What's she selling? <laughs> I mean, if you take my logo and the worst brand clarity and put them together, it's kind of what it is. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna put the notes. I'm gonna put a link to our website so you can go look at the logo. I'm not gonna tell you what it is because I want everybody to go look at it. Um, but it pretty much sums that up perfectly. So I love that. Thank you for taking the time to be a guest with me and having this conversation. Thank you for having me. 
And thanks to everybody who continues to listen and engage, especially as we've revamped the podcast and brought on these really fantastic leaders to have vulnerable conversations that hopefully give you a, just a takeaway, one thing to take away from this conversation to go and improve yourself as a leader, to go improve your team, because it's one small step at a time, right? That's how you get to greatness. Yeah. Yes. Go. So I, I think it's so amazing how you started with like, right where you are, like this is you're here. And that's okay. I think that is the best advice you could give to any entrepreneur. Don't stress it. If you're here, that's where you are. Bloom where you're planted. And I love all of your stuff. I've been reading it and looking at it. And I listened to a couple of your podcasts, but I have to say like the, the calming reassurance of just saying to someone, it's okay to be right here right now. It's like, you've created a space for people to figure out what it is that they need to do and where they need to go. And then you made a business around it. And I just think it's phenomenal. Well, thank you for that uh, unpaid plug there at the end. I appreciate it. You know, our goal is to normalize all of it, whether it's personal as a leader, it's business is that wherever you're at is okay. As long as you don't stay there. That's the biggest difference is we want to be part of you moving forward. If whether it's the podcast or a book or the services that we provide, it's, it's just take a step forward, right? Figure out what that catalyst is. That's going to kind of kick you in the ass and move you forward. And that's why we bring leaders like you on because that it is a little bit of a kick in the ass to say, all right, I got this. Like there's something I need to think differently about. And I think that's the really important conversation that needs to be, needs to happen right now for leaders. So thank you again for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.